So the virus destroyed the nerves in the vestibular system, which looks after balance and hearing. So I had terrible dizziness and couldn't even stand up straight. And I had tinnitus. And I was told that nothing could be done. And be, um, so there I was coming to terms with significant and permanent hearing loss. And I really had no idea at the time what I'd do for my, for my career. My name is Paul Harvey and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. Our story is everything. It defines who we think we are. My guest on the show was a midwife. Bringing new life into the world was her vocation. But a virus took away that career and she had to find a new path in her life. Lisa Evans was drawn to nursing at 17 years old. Living in a deprived part of London in the late 1980s, nursing was a perfect career opportunity. She qualified and trained as a midwife and specialised in neonatal care. Now, nursing is an international career and it opens so many travel opportunities. Lisa was attracted to California, which required a green card. So in the meantime, she took a job in Australia, but never left. She set out on her travels to Australia in 1988, met an Englishman in 1990, married in 1991, and they settled in Perth on Western Australia. In her words, they became grown-ups, settled and had three children. It's a lovely story of travel adventures, finding a career and settling into family life. But then, as life does, the universe delivers change. Lisa contracted a virus that destroyed all of the nerves in her vestibular system, which means balance and hearing. It removed all of her sense of sound and left her with an internal whooshing noise and condition called tinnitus. Imagine just listening to a radio off-tuned and hearing that hiss of nothing. The door to her nursing career closed and now in her 40s she had to find a new job and a new meaning for her life. She moved into administration and discovered what it means to be working in a toxic environment. It was a challenging experience and destroyed most of what was left of her self-confidence. An opportunity arrived, an experimental procedure to restore her hearing. It worked, and during her recovery and rehabilitation she discovered a new life, a new confidence, and with that her voice. Our conversation is about Lisa's journey into becoming the storytelling midwife and starting a business at the age of 50. Today Lisa is a certified speaking and storytelling coach, a radio show presenter and a host at the Business Chat podcast. Lisa helps leaders and entrepreneurs to find their stories for their business and their brand. So let's join the conversation with Lisa Evans. So look, this is life, passion and business. And we're all about this journey that we call life. So how's it happened for you? How did it all start or begin for you? Well, it began, it began over in your part of the world. I'm from London, 
mm-hmm. East London, E17, Walthamstow. And so that was where I, I grew up. And then I migrated to Australia in 1988. So it wasn't meant to be a migration. It was meant to be a working holiday. These, but things, I these things always and, are, aren't they? A lot of these things are. Yeah, I was, at, <laughs> yeah, I was actually en route to America, funnily enough. So I, I did my nurse training as soon as I could. So about 17 and a half, I did my nurse training. I went on, I became a midwife, and then I specialized even further. And then I got the calling. I fancied going to California. I'd seen a, you know, one of those doctors and nurses TV shows around California. So I went to a recruitment company and they gave me a position conditional on me doing the exam to get the green card. Sort of age, and sort of age so I was conv- this? What sort oh, of age? I was, I was tw- 21, 20, oh, okay. 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. So I, I saw this ad in the paper for a position in Australia and I thought, right, I can then study for the, for the exam for the US in Australia, but never, never reached California. Sometimes I do wonder about that sliding doors moment and think back, wonder how life would have been different if I'd have gone to California instead of arriving in Sydney. But of course, I'll never know. <laughs> no, can't go back. There we go. So, what happened in Sydney when you arrived? I mean, what 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 was the ch- what caused the change of plan? Well, I I came to Australia and I just fell in love with it. I really did enjoy it. I wasn't in Sydney for that long, um, but when I was there, I got to do a lot of travelling. So I fell into a a roster pattern of seven on, seven off, which meant I had to do night shift, but then I had seven days off to explore and get on a bus and and, uh, go on a coach and go on a train or a plane and just explore the the beautiful country and did some cool things like diving and and bushwalking. And then I um, took some leave and I I got a, a plane trip that took me around the whole country. It was part plane and it was part Greyhound bus. And when I arrived in Perth, which is on the west coast of Australia, I really did fall in love with with Perth because on the west coast, Paul, we have more of, we have four definite seasons like we do in the northern hemisphere. So it felt more more like what I was used to, you know, Sydney and, and Queensland, they get very, very hot. And so I'm not a fan of the heat. So I, I came to Perth, I met my future husband here and he was on a holiday so i was on this extended holiday he was on a holiday but we did meet here Mm. and then we traveled back to the uk together sort of as a couple and my mum was over the moon because she was so excited that i'd met an english chap because she thought that we'd go home and settle down but then we broke the news that (laughs) no we were we were coming back So what happened from there? That's that's. I mean, how, how what sort of time frame was that one of, of of traveling and meeting someone? So I was here. We met in nineteen ninety, okay. and we got married at the end of ninety one. So mm. we went home. We decided that we'd have the wedding in the UK to keep everybody happy. We mm. did a lot of traveling through Southeast Asia, at both ends of the trip. So Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, extensively and then came back to Perth and settled and bought a house and um, got pregnant with the first daughter. So then became a you know proper adult and settled down and then went on to have three beautiful, I've got three beautiful daughters who wow. are all grown up, grown up now. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. 
So where did the journey take you? Because obviously getting motherhood, did that take you out of the profession? No, what we did for quite some years, Paul, is we shared the kids and we shared work. Mm. So not having any extended family here at all, mm. we we both we both wanted a career and we both wanted to be the the caregivers of our kids. So nursing lends itself very well to shift work. And so I used to do the afternoon shift and he would do the morning shift. And some some afternoons we would literally, you know, hand the kids over in <laughs> in the car park. We only had we only had one one car. We did that for quite some time, which meant that the kids always had one of us there. Yeah. But it did mean that we didn't see much of of one another. But you know, you've got to do what you've got to do when you're when you're a parent. Yeah. And so I was able to continue with my career and I worked as a midwife and as a, a specialist neonatal intensive care midwife for over 20 years. So I did have a, a wonderful long career. Hmm. And was you, was you, what was driving you in that career? Was that, was that a, just the, you, what did it give you? Was there a joy, any joy? There must have been joy. There, because there's joy. You're bringing life into the world. But I mean, what was, yeah. what was the passion for yeah. you in that, in that career? Well, I, it was the only career I'd really ever known because mm. I started nursing when I was 17 and a half. Right. And I, even though it's tough doing shifts, nursing and those kinds of professions with, with shifts, particularly professions where you know, there are more females than men, they're, they're usually pretty good in terms of, of uh, fixing uh, childcare and um, working around a family. Mm. So that was quite good and being able to access sort of more flexible hours and and part-time hours was really quite good. I mean, nurses are always in demand, particularly specialist nurses, so there's the option to do extra shifts or yeah. drop a few shifts. So I I really did enjoy it, yeah. And also made me feel very grateful that I'd managed to have three beautiful healthy sort of big full-term rosy-cheeked babies and and yet I was going off to work to look after your know, babies that fit into the palm of your hand and oh, sadly wow. some don't don't make it so there was also that that sort of pull there that made me realize that life is so precious mm. so at some point did you move on from I guess you moved on from that career to to, to follow other adventures did you I did, and it wasn't by choice. Okay. So I had a, a massive curveball thrown at me when a virus destroyed pretty much all of my hearing. So the virus destroyed the nerves in the vestibular system, which looks after balance and hearing. So I had terrible dizziness and couldn't even stand up straight. And I had tinnitus you know some people get a ringing sound with mm. tinnitus but i had like a whooshing sound it's really awful whooshing sound and i was told that nothing could be done and because the area of nursing that i was working in was very technical very high tech it, it was no longer practical to work in that chosen profession so i did spend some time feeling sorry for myself um mm. asking myself you know why did this have to happen to me and i really had no idea at the time what I do for my for my career. Um, so there I was coming to terms with significant and permanent hearing loss. I was left with this tiny amount of, of sound and I was already 40. 
So there I was thinking, you know, who's even going to give me a job? I, I, I picked myself up from, from that, that place and started to, to plan. So I then moved into the public service. So I moved into what we call here the Department of, of Health. And that turned out to be not healthy at all. That was a toxic workplace. And that pretty much destroyed me. So worse than the physical assault on my body, you know, this toxic workplace really did impact me because I'd never experienced any form of bullying in the workplace or, you know, when you're an intensive care nurse, you just kind of get on with it and it's mm. teamwork and life and death and there's no time for bitching and, and moaning. So this really did uh, impact me significantly, and uh, that was a that was a dark time. But it was during this time that I met a chap called Professor Ganesh Rajan, and he's an expert in hearing technology. And he was running a, a research trial, and he asked me to take part. So I got a cochlear implant. So I had the surgery. I got the the device. And then that was the beginning of a really, really long journey in rehabilitating to learn to use the device, to learn to hear again in a very different way. Um, my brain has to blend the natural sound with the synthetic sound. And as a result of all that, that rehab of working countless hours with the research team, I became interested in speaking. I was doing a lot of speaking. That's basically how you learn to hear again. Mm. And I was spending time listening to my voice to get used to the way that I sounded. I was articulating words, you know, sounding out words, reading out loud. And then because of this really awful workplace situation that I had been in, I really needed to build some confidence because my mm. confidence had just pretty much gone. Mm. So I got interested in, in public speaking and very quickly learned to, you know, I really enjoyed what I was what I was doing. So then I thought, well, I might uh, pursue this hobby. And when I decide to do something like I'm all in, so it was, you know, I hired the best coaches and, and books and courses and you name it, I, I did it. And people started asking me to coach and help them. So I went on and I did, I became a certified public speaking and storytelling coach and went on to do other sorts of, of uh, courses. And by this time I'd left that workplace and I'd gone to move uh, to a different department and I dropped my hours to part-time. So then I decided, you know, I didn't start my business until I was 50, but mm. what I found that, and I think that many people do this is when you have a birthday that ends in a zero, you spend quite a bit of time soul searching and navel gazing. And it was when I turned 50 that I asked myself, you know, is this it or is there something else? Am I really doing what I want to do or not? And I thought, no, I'm not. There, there's more. I want to, I want to do this. I, mm. you know, in losing my hearing, I discovered my voice and I discovered the the, the power and the feeling of being able to transform and help others and change lives through speaking on on stage and also as a as a speaker coach. So I announced to my family that I was wanting to start a business and they thought that I was crazy. They thought I was going through some sort of midlife crisis. And I remember my daughter saying to me, you know, aren't you a bit old, mum? You know, shouldn't you be thinking about retiring? So 
And that was tough because when we start a business, you know, we want we want a cheer squad. So they weren't the cheer squad. They were the ones going, mm, you know, ah, oh, well, you know, she'll get over it soon. But well, I was had you had the start, so for, had you ever been involved in business at all? Had you started? No, or, never. So this no, is, no, this no. Is, I did is, an MBA. This is, this is probably where yeah. their concerns coming from because yeah, mum's of gone, course, mum's yeah. gone off on one, and it's it's lovely you've that got you've got no idea. It's lovely yeah. that you've got that sense of of that transition point, and you're thinking about it because a lot of people go into that transition point blindly and don't actually realize. Yeah, well, I guess I was a bit blind. I guess the hearing loss forced you to make a reevaluation years before how many years after yeah. the, how many years after the hearing loss was that well the journey of finding speaking and rehabilitating mm. and get you know that took several that took several years it was probably about four years yeah. i think and i decided and then i thought well look what can be the worst thing that could happen well, is it doesn't work out and I go and get a job again. Precisely. You've come through. <laughs> but it was, yeah. yeah, it made me determined because I had, I actually had a very good job. It was very, it was very good. It was very stable. So I thought, well, if I'm going to quit that and walk away, particularly being more mature when, when pension and retirement bucket of money is important, I've got to quickly get to six figures. I've got to do the whole six figure thing, you know, within a year. So I did have that drive, but of course I was naive because even though I'd become good at and I'd got the certification in, in uh, speaking and coaching, in terms of the basic business skills like numbers and backend website and social media, I didn't know the first thing about social media. I had a, a Facebook account and the only reason I had a Facebook account was so that I could stalk my three girls and, and so that when they were younger uh, mm. teenagers. So I had to pretty much learn everything from from, from scratch, but ne would never look back, never look back. So for the first three years, I still had a job. So I had a job and a business. Mm. I was still working in health and I moved into project management and, and procurement. Mm -hmm. And the last few years of my job were interesting and it didn't fill my cup anymore. It didn't fulfill me and I wasn't pushed to my the extent of my mm. capabilities. I mean, and I think when you get to a certain stage in life, you begin to have a different outlook on time and then you realise that, you know, time all of a sudden gets well, very fast. And yeah, we realize we haven't got, we've got less left than we have than we've already lived. And it's interesting how, when I look back on my younger years, I wasted so much time, you know, sleeping in and having hangovers and in rubbish relationships and with friends who weren't good for me. And, you know, that question, what would you tell your 18 year old mm. self? We only get 29,500 days on average. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit scary when you... It sounds you're... a lot when you say it in days, though, doesn't but it? But it doesn't actually feel that many when you start looking at it back, when you start working it out, when you start working it out. It's like, hmm. Yeah. There's only a few yeah. thousand days left now, and like 10,000 or so maybe or less. But, you know, if you say to any teenager you got to make the most of every day because you don't know when it's going to be your last. You know, they just look at you like they're like you're crazy because you think you're invincible when you're younger. Of course. That's <laughs> just that's just wisdom, does it, doesn't it, really? And yet I, yeah. thought, I find some of the teenagers I'm meeting now are a lot wiser than we were. And I think because, they, because they've got so much access to so much information, they're, ex they're exploring so much early 
you know youtube has got everyone on it talking about this sort of stuff so they and a lot of the celebrities they know are talking about it so i think it's interesting i agree you what fascinating to see how they meet their reach their mid 50s not that i will know because i'll be gone but there we go so what did you speak about what did what was your mission when you got up on stage so my passion is business storytelling so i'm a storyteller and so i help people to you know own their story and craft their story and step up and deliver their story so i do do public speaking and storytelling coaching and training but my passion is helping these days i mainly help leaders to develop corporate and business stories which is really cool i get to tell stories for for a living and and help people to do that yeah so it's um a couple of years ago one of my clients introduced me as the story midwife because he found out what i'd done in a previous career Mm. and it kind of fits me really well because i do still bring new life into the world but this time it's stories so every time one of my clients you know nails a presentation or goes from being like really afraid to 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 having this confidence i feel like a proud story midwife moment because i've helped another voice i've helped another another person because mm-hmm. yeah. i mean you obviously speak yourself on stage what what is you is is this your topic what you talk about your your journey or, or do you have other other, yeah, other got, pet joy yeah i've got a f- yeah i've got a few topics that i i talk about i mean sometimes i'll talk about my own my own journey of you know that uh being sent on a detour and uh, having a bit of a reinvention later in life. Mm. I talk about the power of your story and how to craft your story and the importance of, of storytelling. Yeah. But these days I'm doing since COVID I'm doing primarily training and, and then secondary to that coaching, you know, keynote speaking is, is only a tiny part of what I do now, but I do also run live storytelling shows. So you have fringe over there. Don't you like fringe festivals? Yeah, Yeah, you do. Well, we have fringe here and this will be my third year. So I put together uh, stories um, and we, and we tell stories, live stories on stage. So I'm still doing that from time to time. That's what I do for, for charity. Mm. One of my things at the moment is I think the world is lacking positive stories. So, so um, what what is your success model? I mean, you know, you, you obviously when you were a midwife, having a successful birth and a healthy mother and a healthy baby would have been it. But how did that move for you? I get a lot of joy out of helping helping clients, mm-hmm. and these days I only coach. I don't coach a huge amount of clients. I get to choose who I who I work with. So the type of person I like to work with, they are highly motivated. Mm. They want to go that next level. They're willing to pull in the put in the work and they also are, you know, a curious learner and they're willing to invest the time and the resources into being a bet, a better speaker. Now those are the sorts of people that I will get really good good outcomes with and so really uh, success to to me in terms of my business is you know when people are able to move from a place of being either ordinary to outstanding you know good to great or they're able to step up for those who maybe aren't very confident or don't own their story or really have a fear of public speaking when 
when I share skills and tools and take them through the process and, and, and are there along the journey with them, and then I see on LinkedIn or wherever that, you know, they've stepped up on stage or they've got a promotion at work and, and they then call me and say, you know what, that's because I'm able to confidently speak in, in public. Mm. So really it's that helping others is uh, what makes me really happy. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's the question I have from all my guests is this idea of contribution, but there's two sides of contribution. So how do you contribute to the world? I contribute to the world by sharing my positive messages. Mm -hmm. I contribute to the world by being a coach and mentor to others Mm -hmm. so that I can help them Mm. show up as their best version. I contribute to the world as a mum of three beautiful, strong, independent daughters. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that I do my little bit for the for the community and the environment as a as a whole. But you know, I'm only little me. So I do what I can in, in terms of that. But I, I also do some charity work. So my storytelling shows the money is 100% for charity. Mm, So we choose a different charity each, each year. I have a radio show on community radio. I've just come from there. So every Thursday morning for three hours, I'm, I'm on air. Um, with my co-host doing a radio show wow. and I'm on a board as well. So I'm serving on a, on a board. So I find that, you know, I would not have had time to do any of this when I was little, but now the kids are, are older. They, I, we're empty nesters now. Just recently we helped our middle daughter finally move out. So I've got more time to do more giving back. Which how, is does, how did that feel? When she, how did that feel for you to be an empty nester? I was sad. Yeah. I struggled. I know. I really struggled. I struggled. My, my, mine left yeah. this year and I thought, I can't believe how painful this is. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, a couple of them I knew because one went to uni and kind of bounced back yeah. and then one had a house share and bounced back. And then this do- this middle daughter, we helped her get a place, mm. uh, a house. So I knew that that was it. That was that was permanent. And I felt, yeah, like it is a grieving process. Mm. It is very weird. It still is very weird. She lives close by, so that's good. And I, it makes me think how hard it would have been for my mum when I left for Australia for this so-called holiday and basically never ever went back to live. And I'm her only daughter. I couldn't think what it would be like to not have my daughters around me, even though, you know, we've got to bring them up to be independent and we've got to love them and and let them yes, let them go. Absolutely. But it's funny how I recently had a birthday and then we recently had, um, my husband had a birthday, we had Mother's Day. And my, my girls always say, you know, what do you want, mum? And I don't want anything. I don't need any more stuff. I'm happy if uh, we hang out together and we play we play games or we go yeah. for a walk or that's all I want. So my life is, I like to think, quite simple these days. 
We are we are the lucky generation in the, the the communication we have. I mean, you were talking about your you went off to Australia and your mum was at home, and and you know I had friends that did the world tour sort of thing and went, tell our mum I'm you know I'm going off to tour um, you know sort of this place and that place, and there was no communication. You just left them out the door, and there was and you got a scratchy phone call about two months later to know they're okay. So we are blessed in that we can keep communication with our kids. Even yeah. Well, there wasn't, there certainly wasn't mobile phones, the internet when I went on my travels, but we had aerograms. Yeah. So each week I would write mum from wherever I was and she would write back to the, to the PO box. Can't remember the last time I wrote a letter, but I used to back, back mm. then. And I would call when I could, but phone calls were really expensive back then. Yeah, I know. And, and so that was only and occasionally, sound, and the sound quality was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I really, exactly. I really reckon that, that is how how tough that was for parents at those in those days. Now, mm, mm. so how do you contribute to yourself? Well, I've got better at that since since COVID because before COVID, my life was sort of one big airport lounge, hotel experience, different time zone, and and it was exciting. I loved it until I stopped doing it. And then I realized actually I love my own house and my bed even more. And I realized that before COVID, I, I had a rubbish sleep pattern. I, I, my diet was all out of sync. I'd recently gone from being vegetarian to vegan and I had sugar swings and all sorts. And, you know, there were a couple of relationships that I neglected. And so when COVID came and we were in lockdown, my youngest daughter was was home. She got sent back from from Hong Kong and uh, we kind of reconnected and we got mm. into Joe Wicks in front of the TV every every afternoon and we found Sarah Beth yoga. We do an hour of yoga out on the deck and I went to a naturopath. I sorted out my 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 diet and I got into a sleeping pattern and I realized that I hadn't been looking after myself as well as I should. So I I now schedule in self-care into my diary. So before my clients get access to my diary, before I put in any work or business commitments, I put in my yoga classes, I put in my dance classes that I do on a, on a couple of days a week, put in all that first. Mm. So that has to has to to happen. Yeah, I like walking in nature. I've got a retired greyhound called Giraffe who I love. So we go out walking and I'm really looking after myself and contributing to myself by doing less. So mm. being more instead of doing, I'm being. And I am a lifelong learner. So I try and read a book each week um, so that I'm always learning something new. And I'm an absolute a massive podcast junkie. So whenever I've got some spare time in the car, when I wake up, walking, I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah, they are an unlimited source of of, of intriguing conversations oh. for me. And it's like, oh, there, there's not enough time to listen to enough podcasts. True. Mm. Yeah, but that's it there. So what is the one question you want people to ask of themselves? ask of themselves or you what is the one question you want mm, people to ask you yeah i think i think i, I prefer the qu first question a uh, thing i think people should ask of themselves 
is if I were to go today, have I lived my best life? Mm. You know, I, have I got? Am I going to have any regrets that I should have done this or I should have done that? I'm, I meet a lot of people who are scared of doing stuff. For example, people say to me, "Oh, you know, I don't really like my job, but I'm too old to start a business." Mm. When they hear that I did it at fifty, <clears> or you know, I'd like to go overseas, but I don't know, and 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 that uh, that no regrets thing about trying stuff, giving it a go, even though it might not work. And and just knowing that you gave life your best shot, whatever that looks like to you. Mm. Yeah, are nice. you living your best self? I think that's that success question in some way. It, it's so many mm. people um, are living a success life, success model of someone else's, and True. they don't. They're not living their own. They're not. They're not deciding what that looks like for themselves. But as someone else said to me, 90% of people just live life. They don't actually do anything with it. They just live it. There's only 10%. They actually. live life passively. Yeah. They just they live what life throws at them. Yeah. And then and then another step on from that is they complain about it because they seem to think that they don't have a choice. Yes. Yes. Is it? So, so it's, that's interesting. I find those sorts of people hard to be around because they're quite draining. Yeah, they can be, but some some say, well, what happens is not life delivers a curveball to them and they and they make a choice. Life delivered you a curveball and you made a choice. You could have you could have mm. settled down into do nothing, couldn't you, with your, with your situation and and, and gone, gone the poor me yeah. and you didn't. You chose something different. You chose to move forward. Yeah. 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 So look, getting to your public speaking stuff and the, and and the training you do, what does it take for someone to be a good public speaker? How does someone what, what's the definition of someone who is a good speaker? Oh, well, it depends if you want to be able to stand and confidently speak or whether you want to become a paid professional professional speaker. But let's say you, you want to improve so that you can speak confidently at, mm. at work. Well, obviously, you've got to know your, your material, but being a good public speaker is like 80% mindset. It's only 20% skill because we speak all the time. And these days people want to listen to people who are genuine. They are authentic. To me, it's much more about presence than it is <laughs> polish or perfection. So it's never about memorizing words or worrying if you're going to forget a word. It's really about that presence and and making a connection with people. So having a message to to share, remember that speaking is serving. It's not about you, you're the messenger. And to speak at every opportunity because an, uh, speaking is an opportunity to share your, your message. As a business owner, it's the best form of marketing. Mm. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you're good at it, you'll get paid to do it. And a lot of business owners, you know, they throw money at SEO or Google AdWords or but they're not speaking, so they're missing an op an opportunity. Yeah, so it's like it's obviously a very practical skill that you've got to just get on and and do it. And what I love about public speaking is no matter where you are on the journey, there's always more to to learn. So when mm. you get comfortable with being in front of a of an audience and learning to manage you know, harness your energy, manage your nervousness and deliver, then you can go on to be masterful at storytelling or you can uh, learn uh, more spontaneous speaking or different different styles and, and techniques. 
So like anything, practice and uh, working with a public speaking coach will fast track your success. I've still got a couple of, of coaches and I really recommend that as well. I mean, it is fascinating. You you listen to or sort of watch or listen to someone speak and it's like and 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 you think to yourself, well, I'm not getting it. And you see someone else speak and go, wow. And, and, and it's like. Yeah. And other people can have fascinating content and they deliver it in a way that just sounds, it sounds terrible, but look, it is a learned, it is a learned skill. Anyone can get better at public speaking if they're willing to put in the work, uh, but it's absolutely, it's absolutely worth it. I see amazing results when people once people get that confidence you know they then get opportunities doors open for them they get promotion and you know if we it doesn't matter how smart you are if you can't clearly articulate what you do and the value that you bring our world is so busy and noisy that Mm. you're just going to get lost in the sea of sameness yes it can be life-changing. And when I was going through my rehab journey with the cochlear implant, I went to Toastmasters and it was right at that point where I was in that very toxic workplace. And I remember going to my first meeting or speaking at my first meeting and just being so surprised that everybody was paying attention. And I said to my mentor, when does the heckling start? Because I'd been used to literally, you know, eye rolling and people undermining me and 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 calling out and trying and it was just awful to be in this hostile communication environment. And so the Toastmasters family is so supportive. It's ideal for anyone who's a raw beginner or a nervous um, beginner. Yeah, and uh, to to really have a go in a safe space. Yeah, Toastmasters is fantastic. I I, I would always mm. recommend it. So um, who do you now work with and who do you want to work with and how would people connect with you? Yeah, so I work primarily with leaders, mainly in the mining and resources uh, sector. And I offer one-on-one coaching, small group coaching. I do workshops and training, either uh, public sessions or in-house sessions for, for corporates around business storytelling, public speaking, presentation skills, soft skills, emotional intelligence, all those wonderful soft skills. People can find out about me on my website, which is speakingsavvy.com.au. I've also got a podcast called the Business Chat Podcast. Those episodes come out weekly. And I am all over LinkedIn. That's my favorite social channel. All right. All those links will be available at lifepassionandbusiness.com. So do reach out to Lisa. I, I'm just curious, what does is, what is the storytelling aspect look like in business? Is this like, like the story of your business? Is this origin stories? Is that what you talk? Is that what it is? Or is there, is it funny stories? How is it? How does that defi- look, look? It depends on the, it depends on the brief. Yeah. So at the moment I'm working with an organization who have just rolled out a new diversity and inclusion strategy. Okay. And part of their brief is that all leaders have to be able to tell stories around that as part of the rollout. Uh, Other organizations, we do a lot of work around value stories, but if I work with leaders, there are five core stories that we develop together. And if if they're an entrepreneur, then definitely the the founder story or the Mm. origin story, but yeah, different stories for different things, but it's really about helping people who are, typically I work with people who are very, technical the engineers and mining people of course and helping them to use stories so that they can 
you know, add another element so they can really uh, make a difference and create change by evoking senses and emotion in, in people. So yeah. often it's the first time that they're when you ever, sell ball bearings, there's gotta be, when you sell ball bearings, there's got to be a story <laughs> around, isn't there somewhere? <laughs> there's a story in everything. Yes, I absolutely love what I do, helping people to find stories and, and refine them and then deliver them and make stories part of their communication toolkit uh, all all great communicators are masterful at storytelling well it's the basis of human evolution we came out of storytelling of course that was the first we did that's how it all began mm. so on that note of how it all began and meaning I, this is the one question i ask all my guests what is the meaning of it all why and why what is the meaning of life for you well, I really do think that the longer I am on the planet, the more I realize that I that I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. I'm here to make a difference in whatever way I'm called to, which may change from from time to time. So I I do consider myself to be a a servant, if you like, and yeah, I just sort of quite simple it's not really too deep at all and as long as I'm making a difference in in some way and and hoping to leave the world you know a little bit better than uh, than I found it maybe if, if if I can say that then I I've I think I've I've lived a, a good life and a, and a life on on purpose that's wonderful so Lisa Evans thank you so much for taking the time to be with me it's been a joy to speak to you Thank you, Paul. All the best. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Lisa Evans. So do check out Lisa's podcast, The Business Chat Podcast. You, you can also find her at her website, which is speakingsavvy.com.au. You can find her on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. So all those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. And while you're there, do check out the five questions under the resources tab. It's a workbook based on the five questions of the podcast. And in my opinion, it is the base point for creating the life you want to live. So do check that one out. And that's it from me for this week. So thank you so much for being on this journey with me. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please give us five stars on the app of your choosing and share it with a friend if you can. So that is it from me. As always, thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best. <laughs>